0: Welcome to this edition of the Evan Roberts Podcast. This is not a podcast I ever thought we would do on July 9, 10, 11. And that is a Brooklyn Nets restart edition of the Evan Roberts Podcast. Because the Brooklyn Nets season is scheduled to resume just like the rest of the NBA. And joining me right now, a guy who's been on this podcast many times before, pre-Kevin Durant, during Kevin Durant, after Kevin Durant. I think the last one we did was actually talking about Kevin Durant coming back for this Disney extravaganza. And boy, have things changed. Uh, This is the producer of the Zach Gelb show he used to produce, Mark Malusis and Taz on the CBS Sports Network. And he's just a big superstar with his very own podcast that I do find very much enjoyable that I will ask you to promote at some point. Actually, I'll ask you to promote
1: it now. And that's Mike Biseglia. Mike, tell the world about the beauty of your delivery podcast. Thank you, Evan. I do appreciate that. Thank you for having me on your podcast. Yes, the uh, podcast is Mike Delivers. And on the side, I became an Uber Eats driver. And (laughs) I decided to document my stories on the road as an Uber Eats driver. I'll talk about what happens when people are coming out in their underwear running into celebrities, and then the podcast has kind of evolved where my wife and I now do food reviews of Uber Eats delivered to us, and then I like to interview different people, uh, different celebrities, and people in the food world, basically about food and delivery. So it's a lot of food related... This is what makes you great, because when you think about it, this podcast
0: that I do takes zero creativity. I mean, think about it. It's just, it's basically the garbage I didn't get to on the air or the things that people <laughs> wouldn't want to hear me talk about on the air, such as 45 straight minutes of Brooklyn Net stuff or pro wrestling. So the podcast I do, it's just me talking. Your podcast is different and creative,
1: and I commend you for that. Well... Thank you very much, Evan. And no, you're not just spewing garbage. It <laughs> takes a lot of talent to put a podcast together, so don't say that. All right. But but yes, I, I, I did want to do something different.
0: Well, let, let's get to this. So when we were talking about a month and a half ago, we were daydreaming about Kevin Durant coming back, about Kyrie Irving coming back, figuring, hey, they've probably recovered. Why not compete in the bubble? Now, that went away quickly. Kevin does his interview, says, I'm not playing. We don't even hear anything from Kyrie Irving other than Mm -hmm. the rumor that he wants to start his own league. You know, other than that. (laughs) That was great. But what's happened over the last few weeks, some of it related to COVID, some not. For example, Nicholas Claxton is hurt, so he's Mm -hmm. out for the NBA restart. DeAndre Jordan, I I mean, he did test positive for COVID, but it also sounded like he was going to opt out anyway. Wilson Mm -hmm. Chandler opts out, Dorian Prince, who was the last blow that we heard a couple of days ago, positive for COVID, and Spencer Dinwiddie tested positive for COVID. Mm. But with Spencer, it seemed like, hey, if I feel better and I can get a couple of negative tests, I'll go down to Orlando and I'll play. Unfortunately, that didn't happen. So that is a list of seven guys. (laughs) I mean, it's crazy. What What's your reaction to all of this? The fact that seven guys and a lot of those guys, I mean, you could dismiss Durant, say he didn't play on the team. Spencer right. Dinwiddie is as valuable a piece to this current net team as anybody. Torian Prince was up and down, but the guy played big minutes. What's your reaction to all this?
1: I mean, it's it almost just became comical at the very end of it when you've lost so many key role players and so many key established guys that are starters off the bench. I mean, when we first started talking about this, even without Durant and Kyrie, we had this idea in our head like, okay, let's say the Nets are the 7 seed. They can go ahead and let's play the Toronto Raptors. There's no more home court. It's this weird bubble situation where we believe like this might even out the playing field. I'm not thinking the Nets are going to go and beat the Raptors, but I feel a little more comfortable comfortable with the Nets playing Toronto where they don't have to worry about going into Toronto and dealing with that crowd and everything. So there's a little more juice and excitement of, you know, maybe the Nets can can have some fun here. We'll see what happens. Maybe they can sneak past Toronto, win, win a around, whatever. But then when you start to hear where pretty much every key contributor is not <laughs> coming to the bubble, your mind slowly shifts to, okay, well, this will be interesting. It's going to be a lot of Karis Levert. And Jared Allen and Joe Harris shooting a lot of shots. And that's the team. (laughs) I mean, that's where your mind goes. It's it's crazy. It's so funny how in our fantasies
0: we went from, hey, what would it feel like if they win an NBA title down at Disney World because Durant's going to play and Kyrie's (laughs) going to play to this team. I I mean, I don't even know if it's the team that we watched all year considering Tyler Johnson's here now. Jamal Crawford is here now. Michael Beasley's here now. Dante Hall is here now. But before I get to this roster, our expectations, and really what we think this team can do, the idea of tanking has been very popular on Twitter. And I don't know how you have always felt about this. And I know that tanking hasn't been something we've understood over the last few years because we haven't had picks. So what the Mm -hmm. hell are we tanking for? We're tanking for what? So Boston can get a big pick? Even with picks, I've never been a big fan of tanking, especially because of the NBA lottery odds and the fact that it doesn't guarantee you anything. I've heard mm-hmm. a lot of Net fans talk about, hey, we're better off not making the playoffs because you're not tanking to win the lottery. You're tanking to keep a pick. Obviously, the Nets traded a first-round pick in the Allen Crabb trade, but it's got lottery protections on it, something Billy King didn't know existed. And so <laughs> if they miss the playoffs, it's not, hey, they got a chance to win a lottery. It's they get to keep a first-round pick. And I don't know how you normally feel about it and how you feel about it now, but yeah, ideally... Knowing this roster, ideally, they miss the playoffs. Ideally, they get to keep that first-round pick. That certainly serves as a bigger benefit than making the playoffs with this roster. Do you feel
1: that way? Because this is the first time I've ever felt that way where, yeah, I know they're better off missing the playoffs. Yeah, this I agree with you. This is the first time it ever crept in my head under normal circumstances no way let's go out and compete maybe they can beat toronto get a couple of wins it's all good now i get when the games start i'm not going to watch and all of a sudden michael beasley's dropping 25 and 15 and i'm like okay maybe i'm in on this and i (laughs) know my natural instincts will be to watch them and make sure that i want them to win there's no way i'm going to root for them to lose it's just not humanly possible in me once the games are on but i mean the truth of the matter is in this circumstance with a team that has no chance no chance of winning an NBA championship. Why not get the pick, get in the lottery and just see what the hell happens? I mean, cuz we know this team is being built for next season. Right. It was originally, but now it's obviously well, clear what the hell's going on. Like why not get the pick? He, here's the the dilemma I'm facing. Because I can't
0: debate that the Nets aren't better off missing the playoffs. They are. I mean, it's 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 obvious. They the, the experience that they'd gain in playing in a postseason that I don't even know if it's going to feel like a postseason considering the environment is not worth legitimately keeping a first-round pick that maybe you use in some kind of big trade to add depth or add a third superstar. The problem with the tank crowd is that it's unrealistic. <laughs> like if yeah. I, And I'm not joking here because I've looked at this schedule that the Wizards have. I know the Nets' schedule. If you are taking the notion the Nets can go 0-8. And and I don't think they would go 0-8, but let's just say they did, you know, for the sake of this discussion. They're going to go 0-8. They're going to lose to every team they play, including the Orlando Magic twice, Mm -hmm. and including the Wizards themselves, who don't have Bradley Beal, obviously don't have John Wall, Bertans is not there either. Right. For the Nets to even be then in the play-in tournament where they'd have to lose twice more to the Wizards. So even if they go 0-8 and somehow (laughs) get to the play-in, that involves losing twice to the Wizards. Not once, but twice. You would need the Wizards to go out and win two games. Mm. And I look at their schedule, and okay, they beat the Nets because we just have the Nets going 0-8. Are they beating the Bucs or the Celtics or the Thunder or the 76ers? Or, <laughs> like, no. It's not realistic to tank. So I, the argument that I see of, well, they're better off keeping their pick. Okay, fine, you're right. They're better off keeping their pick. Even if Sean Marks told his guys, don't play, just literally go on the court, drop your pants, don't even (laughs) shoot shots, like, you know, use a bow movement on the court, like it doesn't matter, there is still a really good chance that the Wizards don't win enough games to force this play-in, and so the tank becomes irrelevant.
1: (laughs) I, I know. It's almost impossible, considering the circumstance of how the league set it up, uh, the numerical values of uh, the games that are left and how bad and putrid the Wizards are. And then you, you laid it out perfectly. They're missing all their good players. So they're in a similar spot with the, that the Nets are. No Beal, no Bertans. Like, how are they going to bat possibly win basketball games? It just seems highly impossible. So, I mean, for the Nets... Like I said, it's a pipe dream and it sounds nice. Like, hey, they go here, they tank and everything magically works in that circumstance and they get an extra draft pick. But you're absolutely right. It's just not going to happen. I mean... The Nets are gonna go here. I don't I just don't know what the hell this team's gonna look like. Maybe they'll surprise us and these guys will play well and they'll be motivated and just the bizarre circumstance of what this situation is. Maybe they'll actually surprise us and win some games and the I don't know, uh sneak to this next second round or get <laughs> a win versus Toronto. <laughs> I mean, but the truth of the matter is they're probably gonna end up playing Milwaukee. Right. And it's gonna be an utter disaster. <laughs> I mean, yeah. it's, you know, what it's going to be Jamal Crawford goes out and scores 30 and they lose by 28 and Giannis played 26 minutes. I mean, that's what it's going to be.
0: Well, it, look,
1: there are a lot of reasons why this basketball team is not going to be able to compete
0: against the Milwaukee Bucks or the Toronto Raptors. And one of the things that jumps out at me is they're just not going to have size. I mean, Jared yeah. Allen is the one true big on this roster. And unless things change from the time we're recording this and there are, changes of thoughts I mean Dante Hall who I'm not even that familiar with I did some Mm -hmm. research on him and it's it's kind of funny I YouTube Dante Hall right and the first video that popped up was a Piston fan recording (laughs) a YouTube video complaining about the fact that the Pistons didn't keep him because he played really well in the G League He, he put up some big numbers in the G League and so That kind of inspired confidence. I'm watching this Detroit Piston fan, you know, with four views, talking about how good Dante Hall is and what a great move by the Nets it was.
1: He's the next uh, Dinwiddie move
0: from Detroit. (laughs) Look, that's the hope, and I want to lead to that because when they started losing these guys, we knew, okay, they can sign replacements. And I mentioned this on the air. There's no science to this. There's no perfect answer to what the strategy should be, but my gut told me get me Dante Halls get me Mm -hmm. the next diamond in the rough that Sean Marks finds because I don't know how realistic and I I like Jamal Crawford I think he's had a hell of an NBA career sixth man of the year three times and and like you said could drop 35 at any moment and I wouldn't be surprised if he had a couple of big offensive games he's 40 years old I mean is is there really a role for Jamal Crawford on next year's Brooklyn Nets and I think I was looking at, hey, anybody that I bring in, even if it's remote that they're going to be on next year's team, I'd like to see it more as an audition for next year's team. Yeah, they can help you maybe win a couple of games here, but it's about next year. Is there any way Jamal Crawford is on next year's Brooklyn Nets?
1: I mean, if Kevin Durant wants him there, there might be a little bit of like, let's see if we can find some role players for next season. And I understand that Crawford's 40, so that makes it kind of a weird one to say out loud. But I certainly think there's something to it that they're looking at these guys as possibly an audition for the you know tenth the 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 uh, Wilson Chandlers of the world that are on this team next next year. I mean, I personally, am like I'm looking forward as a like diehard Nets fan to see Chris Chayoza and see what he looks like on the court. Is this a guy that could potentially be a nice backup? Did they find something here? In 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 this kid because he was playing so well. I mean, the last couple games, that Celtic game, the Laker game, those two big net wins that happened before this, before everything stopped, he was he was proven to be like one of those Sean Marks guys that came out of nowhere and started to play well. I mean, from a certain from a a standpoint of oh, I'm excited. I want to see guys develop. I think it's a little weird that they signed Beasley and Crawford, but from a pure standpoint of this is ridiculous. I know they can't win anyway. It's going to be highly entertaining just to see what it looks like when, like, Michael Beasley's passing to Joe Harris. I mean, like, the whole thought of it is just bizarre. So, from that standpoint, at least I'm like, this will be entertaining. But from a future standpoint, it does seem a little strange unless they think these guys could potentially be with this roster moving forward, and they put their title team together, hopefully. Yeah. I mean, the, the, the it's tough not to connect Beasley as being friends
0: with Kevin Durant. I know mm. Sean Marks denied that, and you know he's going to deny a lot of that stuff. But he knows that Kevin Durant is high on Michael Beasley. And considering Beasley has to sit out the first five games of this thing, which, I mean... <laughs> Look, the reason why it's not the worst thing in the world with the five-game suspension, it sounds worse than the reality. As we discussed earlier, the Nets are going to be in the playoffs. Okay, They're they're probably playing Milwaukee, which is what we wanted to avoid the entire time, but they're going to be in the playoffs. So if he's missing the first five games, he's got three games plus the entire postseason. And that's really what you're signing him for because those eight games, which... We looked at a few weeks ago as, hey, these are huge games. They're a half game ahead of Orlando. Playing Toronto just gives you a better shot than playing Milwaukee. I think both of us are sitting here saying, come on, they're – the, the Magic will win more games than the Nets. They play them twice. The Nets are going to yeah. be the eight seed with the roster that they have. And so that's why I think the Beasley thing, not that I'm high on them signing Michael Beasley, but the five-game suspension part isn't that crazy considering right. he's getting at least seven games with this team, the three games
1: after the suspension, and then at least four games for the postseason. Yeah, exactly. Remember when we were having these pipe dreams of, Kevin Durant, and Kyrie Irving, and it ended up just being Jamal Crawford and Michael Beasley. <laughs> like, we were just off. We missed that. We missed that. We should have seen well. it with these guys.
0: Yeah. Well, th- look, that part wasn't the shocking part, and obviously you know with this virus, anybody could get it, and it could have knocked anybody out. Sure. But I didn't expect Spencer Dinwiddie, DeAndre uh-huh. Jordan, Torian Prince, Wilson Jackson. Ch- I didn't expect the list of no-shows. Uh, for a variety of reasons to be seven guys. But I'm looking at the depth chart, or I'm thinking about the depth chart. To me, Karis LeVert's the point guard. I mean, I guess Chris Chios is well, and he has played well, and you want to see a look at him. And Tyler Johnson, I guess, could play the point. But the ball is going to be in the hands of Karis LeVert. Oh, yeah. But then it goes to – but you don't want to play him 40 minutes a night. I mean, you've got to be careful with Karis. He still has an injury history, basically hasn't gotten through a full season for the most part. We remember this year, I know it was a finger injury, but he missed a big bulk of time. Mm-hmm. So I think they got to be smart with Karras. Even though the offense is going to run through him, you can't exert him in a way that risks
1: uh, an injury uh, during the month of August. Can't have it happen. Yeah, and and if we've seen anything from this team and – their philosophy. Uh, they don't like to overexert guys. We saw a lot of it, obviously, last year with D'Angelo Russell and the minutes restrictions that he was on under 30 minutes every on an average for the season. So I would be stunned if they're putting him, putting him out there and they're playing him in a 36 to 42-minute range, considering they know the deal. They know what's going on here. And they want to see Karras play well. They want to see him develop. I mean, looking at this team the things you want to see is you want to see Jared Allen take a step in this bubble whatever it is Karis LeVert continue to play well um you know I think Joe Harris is going to be solid uh but you see some of these younger players just try to get a little bit better or I mean because I don't know what this chemistry is going to look like they're all there now go they're in Orlando and they're all just like hi my name is like getting to know each other. So to build chemistry well, when you have to be socially distant, it's just, it's the whole thing seems impossible. But but here's my question about the chemistry
0: part. So we know that Sean Marks always had, you know, a hard on for Tyler Johnson. I mean, he gave him that huge contract a couple of years ago. Luckily Miami matched it. And that's never signed Tyler Johnson. He's new, right? So you have mm-hmm. to develop chemistry with Tyler Johnson. Same thing with Jamal Crawford. Same thing with Michael Beasley. Same thing for Dante Hall, but I'm not, convinced that all of those guys are playing big minutes, even a guy like Jamal. I mean, I know that we believe he's capable offensively of doing something big in one big moment, but I don't know if Jamal Crawford at age 40 who hasn't played this year is all of a sudden playing 30 minutes a night. Not when you still have Garrett Temple, not still when you have Chris Chioza, who we've talked about, and Karis LeVert and TLC. Can't forget those guys, Timothy Luwabo, mm-hmm. Cabarro, and Joe Harris there's chemistry between those guys. I mean, these units now, they haven't played huge minutes together because Spencer Dinwiddie was on the court a lot of the time. Uh, When Kyrie was out there, he was on the court a lot of the time. But when you bring up chemistry, I just wonder how many minutes Johnson, Crawford, Beasley, how many minutes these guys are really going to play and if Jacques Vaughn leans more towards Chioza, Levert, Harris, TLC, um Musa, Rodions and obviously Jared Allen. I'm thinking there's going to be a lot more of that.
1: Yeah. No, I I hear you. I just have this weird feeling and like I can see it now like Jamal Crawford in the game crunch time, 6 minutes left and he and he is there. But if they're going to spread out the minutes and make sure like for example that Caris doesn't get burned out, you know, Tyler Johnson's going to have to play 18 to 20 minutes. We're going to have to see Jamal Crawford on there and just by the pure sense of This is going to be conditioning issues, I would think. I wouldn't be surprised if they went to a deeper roster because these guys haven't played competitive basketball in four months. And now they're going to be asked to be sprinting up and down a court. And, you know, I don't know exactly the Nets, how many, the eight games, how many days it stretched out but it's probably at first going to be like a big shock to the system when they're playing these games. I wouldn't be stunned if they need to go to a deeper bench and play guys well, that uh, you maybe normally wouldn't have seen in a regular season game in a regular circumstance. So I know this doesn't equate to baseball at all, but one thing that surprised
0: me so far about baseball is how these starting pitchers are ready. I mean, Jacob DeGrom and Garrett Cole on opening day are going to be able to go seven innings or at least 95 pitches, 100 pitches. I wonder with a lot of these guys, and you're right, it's not game action, but pitching isn't game action either, if because they've been able to work out, some of them have, that between the workouts down in Orlando now, between what they, whatever they were doing during the quarantine, between the preseason games, because they are going to have scrimmages. I think the Nets have mm-hmm. two or three scrimmages that are scheduled. One of them may even be televised, which is going to be crazy to watch that. Yeah. I, I, and the way it's spread out these games is it's basically two weeks. They start their regular season on July 31st. They end it on August 13th. They started on a Friday. They end it two weeks later. So it's 14 days to play the eight games, which mm. I guess is really squished together the more you think about it. Yeah, I mean, two. It's every it's other night and some back to back. There's one back to back. There's one back. The way it works out is they play on Friday the 31st against the Magic. Sunday the second against the Wizards. So what a big two games to start this thing off. If you're <laughs> thinking right. about seating or whatnot, <laughs> yeah. Then listen to this back to back: Tuesday August fourth
1: against the Bucks, Wednesday August fifth against the Celtics. Oh, <laughs> well, maybe the Bucks. What do the Bucks have? Six and a half up on Toronto. I mean, they're essentially the Bucks are the one playing seed. for nothing. The Bucks yeah, are so playing f- for nothing. You no, know, no. Yeah, so they might. Re- I mean, I don't, I don't. Know. But at the same time, I would say like, oh, the Bucks need to rest people. But then at the same time. They haven't played together well, in four months. They probably want the reps of
0: play. He, here's the, the part where as much as I think, as we mentioned before, the Nets are going to go in. Maybe they'll win one or two regular season games, and they're going to get wiped out. The part that makes me pause, not that they're going on a run. I'm not trying to sell you they're going on a run, mm-hmm. but it's the unknown. It's the fact yeah. that what you talked about with the Bucs, that you know, Chris Middleton made a comment a couple of days ago, he didn't pick up a basketball during the quarantine. That is, right. a, that is a frightening thought. And with a lot of individual players, we don't know what they've been able to do. I mean, some guys may have been able to go to the gym every single day. They're working out, and they are just better prepared for the start of this season than other guys. And you just don't know. And I I think that's the part of me that's either talking myself into being excited excited about it or just reminding myself that as much as we think we know about what's going to happen down at Disney World as far as the game action, you don't. And look. I don't think the Nets are going on a run and winning an NBA championship, though that would be freaking hilarious if uh, Tyler Johnson and Chris (laughs) (laughs) Chioza are It would be amazing. But there is a lot of unknown to this, and I think that if they go out, they're playing the magic that first game. We're so excited basketball's back. If the Nets are up by 10 starting the fourth quarter – we're gonna be giddy. We're gonna we're gonna be saying, wait a second, we got something here with these guys. Oh, we're yeah. gonna get the seven seed. We're gonna avoid the box. Oh, I mean, Rodion Skrutz even said the other day. Now, I don't think he knew at the time. Then when he wasn't there, but he said, yeah, we could beat the Raptors. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, so I think we're I, gonna end up talking ourselves into thinking, holy crap,
1: anything can happen. I think this is going to be not broader than the the Nets with this. Sure, I think this is going to be a. Um, there are going to be upsets all over the place, and it's going to be chaos. And it's going to be very different than anything we have ever seen before. Obviously, I'm like, the, you know, not a breakthrough here. But I think we're going to see teams losing left and right. You're going to be shocked. All of a sudden, like, the Lakers lose game one. I think it's just going to be a mess. And in a fun, chaotic way, where there's going to be upsets all over the place. I mean, I... I don't think people realize like how big of a deal some of these home courts are like Toronto, Utah. I mean that is a massive difference or for example, let's say the Lakers and Clippers end up playing each other in the Western Conference Finals, like that would have been seven home games for the Lakers. Like that's <laughs> yes. gone. I know. That's gone. So that evens out. And I I just think we're gonna see we're gonna see guys that normally aren't stars all of a sudden becoming stars, superstars that can't find themselves and look like guys that we've never that that way worse than they are. I think it's going to be chaos. It's going to be fun. And, you know, uh, don't be surprised if you're seeing, like, all of a sudden the Sixers make a huge run and Simmons and Embiid get it together because they're ultra-talented players and they figure it out in this bubble life. I'm expecting it to be nuts. I really am. Yeah,
0: no, and I think that's the disappointing part, that we could have been a more serious part of the nuts Mm -hmm. if this team was there. I... I'm trying to figure out like what I'm, besides, you know, a miracle run and winning games, what I'm looking for. Because Karis Levert playing out of his mind, I'd be excited about, but then there'd be a part of me saying, well, how's he going to play with the other stars? Like that's the part of Levert that we need to see. And there's no guarantee he's going to be on the team. I mean, I think mm-hmm. it's obvious that Sean Marks is going to be looking for a third star. I asked him directly when he was on last week. And I don't know, I, I feel sometimes Sean Marks doesn't give an answer. But he gives an answer. Like, he doesn't specifically tell you what the answer is, but there are ways he says things that make you think he's implying an answer. So, when we brought up, actually, Joe brought it up about tanking, you know, for the draft pick, Sean Marks basically said, what I said about how it's impossible. Like, the first thing he said is, well, the analytics. Yeah, the analytics say the Wizards suck. There's no way we're bad enough. We can't lose every game, and st- we're still going to make the playoffs. And I I think he essentially said that without saying that. Mm-hmm. I asked him about Greg Popovich, and the reason why I, I really don't believe Popovich is going to coach now is he made a comment how Pop owes it to the Spurs. And I was like, whoa. That's a little bit stronger than, ah, you know, he's a great guy, you know, but he has it's a up job, to we'll see. Yeah. So yeah. I, I kind of took that as ooh. And when I asked him about a third star or depth, I did get a third star impression from him, and Karis Levert would be the guy to go. Let's be honest. Whether it's Bradley Beal or another third star we're not thinking about, mm-hmm. Levert would go. But I also don't want to – what he does in Orlando, even if he dominates and plays at a high level, is not what his role is next year. So, right. I want him to play well. I'd love to see him put up big numbers, but I think we have to remind ourselves that that's not who what he's gonna be next year next to Kyrie Irving, Kevin Durant, and Spencer Dinwiddie.
1: Yeah, I get scared then because I do like Harris, but let's say he does have a have a has a great n b a bubble and he's putting up twenty seven a game and he leads the nets to, to some surprise wins. I mean, all maybe he's doing is just increasing his trade value so that they can get a guy like Bradley Beal because you're right if they're going to go out and trade for a third star the other team's going to want something in return and the nets have a nice asset and a nice piece and a nice chip in Karis LeVert so that, that 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 would scare me and i you know it's so hard to piece together because play, first of all hopefully Kyrie and Kevin can be healthy next year well, yeah. but playing but playing with those guys you're right it's just so different Than going out and getting your own shot and Joe Harris standing on the wing and Garrett Temple standing on the wing. All right, Karis, go do something for us. That with, you know, Kyrie's gonna be dominating the ball. I assume Kevin Durant's gonna be dominating the ball. I have no idea in my head what it looks like when Karis Levert is the third guy there. Also, just saying these names out loud, you realize just the amount of dudes that are not playing when you're like, hey, we could add a Kyrie Irving, add a Kevin Durant, a DeAndre Dor- Jordan, Spencer Dinwiddie. So, point is though, you're—I mean—you're right. I just adding Karis to that mix. I don't even have a, any idea of a comprehension. All I do know is that when Karis was with Kyrie, granted, it's a long time ago now. It felt like it didn't mesh when we saw them together on the court a they little bit. It just
0: didn't play enough.
1: I mean, that's, well, that's why. Yeah.
0: That's why this whole thing is so frustrating. A year after signing these guys. We haven't seen enough. You know, we learn nothing. Yeah. We, we, what did we learn? We, we learned that Kyrie Irving is still injury prone. That's what we learned. Mm -hmm. I mean, unfortunately he only played 20 games this year. And if they played a full 82, it was only going to be 20 games. So it's not as if the shortened season impacted that. I mean, the guys that jump out at me, number one is Jared Allen, because Jared Allen, I'm not thinking they're going to play him 35 minutes a night. Kind of the reason you gave earlier that you got to be smart with these guys. But he's truly the only big on this roster. So I think seeing Jared Allen in that role where DeAndre Jordan's not coming in to replace him after mm-hmm. six minutes because he ran into foul trouble, I think watching him I'm going to be curious about. And also the return of Rodion's Skarutz because he really lost himself this year and he lost his kind of role on this basketball team. I, right now, if I'm making a starting five, Rodeons is my stretch four. I'm starting him at the four right now. I mean, what mm. what are my other options? So, I think Karutz is going to be an interesting guy to watch. TLC a little bit, Musa a little bit, but I don't know how much I can gain from what we see down there. Especially because, like you talked about, it's just such a weird environment. It's everything about it is strange. And then the coach. I mean, can we really evaluate right. Jacques Vaughn based on
1: what this team does in the bubble? No, I mean the the roster he's handed is so different. It's I don't know what you could take away from watching him coach this team that will help you with the guys that are there because we know who's making the hire and they're not playing anyway. They're not there, so they can't talk about what Jacques's doing in and out of the huddle. So you can't get any perspective on what you know GM Kevin Durant wants when Jacques he's not even there with Jacques. And then alluding to the Jared Allen stuff, it will be interesting without DeAndre, and I don't want to say like down you know breathing down his neck but this is him as the center for these are his minutes and he had such a weird season it was such an up and down season from like not good to start to then a guy that's putting up 20 and 20s and looking great and then you know other teams figured out how to stop the pick and roll and all of a sudden he went back to early Jared Allen so, we'll, so which Jared Allen we will see is one of the one of the things I'll be looking forward to seeing in his development and hopefully growth here in the NBA bubble. Do you think Jacques Vaughn's going to get this job long-term though? (sighs) Probably not. I would be completely stunned, but I would at least say there's got to be some form of a chance. I mean, I'm trying to like convince myself in the moment to say that, but at least if the guy's going to be coaching there, maybe it's the heart inside of me that says you can't just put somebody to have a job for two months in an Orlando bubble, and it means absolutely nothing. So I think there's got to be some morsel of some respect to that. Probably not, but at least I give him some form of a chance because the human decency inside of me says, if he's going to be the coach in Orlando now, even though Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving don't have, uh, aren't playing, and you know they're the ones that are, are the ultimate probably decision makers, the good in me says that Jacques Vaughn has to have at least a little bit of a chance because, I don't know, like, we're, we're all people here, and and, and, and you got to just at least give <laughs> some respect to the fact that, you know, he's a guy that was a guard in the NBA. He's been a former head coach. Yeah. Like, there's got to be a little bit of respect there so to I, give him at least a, a morsel of a chance.
0: Listen, I have no issues with Jacques Vaughn. I really don't. I can't even judge his past head coaching resume. He didn't have much of a roster down there. Sure. I just would be really, really surprised if he got this job. Now, I don't it's not that I think Greg Popovich is getting the job. I mean, that's the fantasy, and we may as well all dream about it. I mean, who thought a year ago that this team would end up with Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving? Right. I still think it's gonna end up being Ty Lu. But you know, the more I think about this, and obviously the Nets aren't going on any kind of run, you know, probably ninety eight percent sure they're not going on a run. But it's gonna be a lot of fun. I mean, yeah. they're playing games during the week, they're playing games during the day. It's going to be such a weird feeling, but it's kind of cool. Like, Friday afternoon, Brooklyn Net Basketball during August. Who would have ever thought that was ever
1: going to happen? I, I know. I love it. And I, I, it's funny because it, it's going to go from we've had no sports in our life. We've had nothing to watch in the last three, four months to an overload of sports where it's on all the time, nonstop action, Nets Raptors at 2 o'clock, followed by Rockets Thunder at 4 <laughs> o'clock. And then you get to watch, uh, you know, Mets versus the, I don't know, the Mets schedule, but Mets versus the Phillies. I mean, it's going right. to be nonstop fun. It's going to be the opposite of all right. All right. Here we go. Let's watch a rerun of the Nets versus Celtics 2002 <laughs> to, you know, actual basketball, which will be really cool. I know. I know. Which I did a lot of during this quarantine. I
0: watched a lot of old games. If if you had to predict they're playing in eight regular season games. And by the way, it's so different than what hockey's doing. And the more I've thought about it the more I like what the NBA is doing. And and I'll tell you why. In the NHL, like, yeah, the Islanders and Rangers are right in the playoffs, but they're in a best-of-five series right out of the gate, which means it's possible the Islanders play three games, lose all three, and they're done. Yeah, I know. At least with the Nets, we got eight regular season games. And if we're both accepting the fact that they're probably not getting the seventh seed and they're probably not falling enough to be in the play-in game, then it's just eight games to kind of tune yourself up for the playoffs. So there's more time to at least smell the roses in watching the Nets than there would be with the Islanders or the Rangers, where it's like immediately, boom, it's do-or-die game. So there is something sort of fun knowing, hey, when the Nets play the Kings on August 7th, yeah, there's something on the line. The games are big in terms of seeding, but... You know, your season isn't on the line. You're not going to, in all likelihood, barring a wizard run, you're not going to be eliminated necessarily. And that
1: would scare me if I was a big hockey fan who had a team that was like a 1, 2, or 3 seed, that you could go in and know that your team could be eliminated that fast. That would terrify me, and that would really make me scared. Well... But
0: secondly, you are clearly showing you're not a hockey fan because the top
1: the top four
0: seeds are not in that situation. Oh. It's only it's only the, it's OK, though. No, no. They're I was ins- just
1: going to say, you know, I, what I wanted to do was I wanted to, to challenge the hockey fans and say, if oh, you okay. really know hockey, you know, I'm full of shit. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, that, well but, said, but well seriously, said. OK, that would scare me like. I'm the number one seed and I could be gone in three games. That would terrify me. Okay. Good to know that hockey didn't make that kind of mistake. (laughs) No, it's, it's weird. (laughs) Hockey
0: and basketball are so similar in terms of hey, similar amount of teams, same amount of teams make the playoffs. Right. Yet they really did have to have a different playoff structure. They did have to have a different idea of how to go about things. And I, the more I think about it, I love what the NBA did because I was always a fan of regular season games. I thought it was crazy to send these guys down to Disney World and say, boom, the playoffs start right away. Yeah. Now you're giving them a couple of preseason games, but then two weeks, two weeks of regular season games. And for most of these teams, these games are not big deals. I mean, the LA Lakers are going to be the one seed. The Bucks are going to be the one seed. And even if you're battling for seeding, I'm not talking about making the playoffs right. the way the Grizzlies are, or even the Nets are technically, sure. but The seeds don't even matter that much because there is no such thing as home court advantage. So it really is eight games to kind of tune yourself up for the postseason. And maybe that makes it likelier that the better teams advance because you're giving them
1: more time to get the rust. Did you like the idea when the NBA went with, uh, you know, the home court team because there's no home court advantage? Got like got to sleep in King's eyes beds, got (laughs) to, uh, you know, get the nice quiz nice meals, nice cuisines, just something to give a home court because you're right. it's There's no home court. You know, it's just uh, it, go it, at it.
0: In all seriousness, I, I'm in favor of nothing for home court except for one thing I'd be okay What's with. that. Here's the one minor game adjustment where I'd say, okay, this is fair. You give the home team possession of the basketball to begin each quarter. So instead mm. of a jump ball okay. to start the game, And and then instead of, course, alternating, like if you win the jump ball, then you get it in the fourth quarter, second and third for the other team, I would say, all right, I'm going to basically give you a couple of freebie extra possessions. And it it could be a big deal. I mean, the whole grand scheme of things, you are giving that team extra possessions. Outside of that, I wouldn't have touched it. You know, I wouldn't have said you can foul a guy out. You know, you can have a guy commit. I think that's changing the game way more than basically giving another team a possession. But... The way I understand it is even though you look at the net schedule and they've got four home games and four road games, there really isn't any difference. Like, they're at Milwaukee, sure. but they're they're not. <laughs> right. I mean, there's really – there's no discernible <laughs> right. difference between at Milwaukee and home against the Kings. So, it is what it is. I, I don't have an issue. I think we can all kind of embrace the fact that it's just neutral that, sites. That'll be funny
1: because yeah. it'll be some teams like, oh, wow, this team is – you know when they always say – the playoffs don't start until a team can win on the road. You can't make. <laughs> right. You can't say that stupid claim anymore. It's all no, the same. I know.
0: <laughs> it's like if the you know when when the Nets stole Game One against Philly last year, and we're all excited like, oh, now we got at least a split in Philly. Right. You really can't take that approach. No. I mean, you have to look at it as. You've got to find a way to win four of seven against a team that's far better than you. And whether you win game one or not, it doesn't have that same effect as when you win a game one on the road. You kind of lose that.
1: Exactly. No, it's all those like funny cliche playoffs and what, but it actually brings up an interesting point because a lot of times, like for example, the Nets in game two, which we went to kind of let their guard down in the third quarter and they got blown out a lot of teams kind of relax and rest because they know they got their split. It'll be interesting to see if teams have that approach considering that home court's gone and maybe they'll just kind of go forward because they got to win four games and can't take that idea of home court.
0: It's, it's fascinating because I really think that there is something to crowds and energy Mm -hmm. in the NBA more than there is in these other sports. And you kind of see it based on win-loss records. You know, in baseball, it's not that extreme. In hockey, it's not that extreme. In football, it sort of is. In basketball, a lot of this is the momentum and the energy of the crowd, and you're not really going to have that. So what impact that has as far as who advances and, and whatnot, I'm not sure of, but I'm excited. I Even though I look at these eight regular season games, and if I had to make a prediction, a like serious prediction, mm-hmm. no screwing around, I give them a couple of games. Like, I think they'll win two games. I think they'll beat the Wizards, and I'll say they'll beat the Magic in one of the two games they play against them. Or maybe they'll beat the Kings. Bottom line is I think they go 2-6, and six, and they avoid the playing against the Wizards because I don't know if the Wizards win any sure. games, to be honest. So, But I think they're going to be the eight seed. Like, I, I fully expect 2-6, and six, no playing, in not the seven seed matched up against the Bucks, and then I'll probably say four or five. Like maybe they'll win a game, but I doubt it. Uh, so that's my prediction: two wins in the regular season, and then they lose to the Bucks pretty easily. What's your thought?
1: Um, see, if it wasn't this chaos of a roster, I'd give them a give them more wins. I guess I I just think everything's going to be so evened out. So I'll I'll say I'll say they win four games, and let's let's. Let's have some fun. Let's have them playing Toronto and then they take the Raptors to 6. I'm going to say that this thing is just such chaos and such nonsense that these rosters even themselves out even though the Nets are like a third of the team is guys that weren't, you know, on the roster 3 months ago. Uh let's have some fun. Let's say the Nets split the 8. They end up and playing the Raptors. They take Toronto to 6. Um they do a good job, you know, they split in Toronto or but they just can't hold the home court. <laughs> right, right, right.
0: You know, it's it's funny. They open against the Magic and the Wizards. Mm-hmm. Those are their first two games that they play, July 31st and August 2nd. If they beat the Magic with this roster to open up the bubble, I think we'd all be fired up because now all of a sudden that would be a game-and-a-half lead on the Magic. You'd right. start to analyze the Magic schedule and say, well, they got to play the Raptors. They got to play the Celtics. Yep. You know, you'd start to think, wow, maybe they could escape with this thing and, and get a seven seed. But I don't know; it's, it's tough. I mean, especially when you look at the depth chart of what this team has. But it should be fun. We're going to get basketball back, and then when this whole thing is over, we get to the real important stuff: mm-hmm. who the permanent head coach is going to be, and really how aggressive Sean Marks is going to be in this off season. Whether it's chasing a third star, whether it's trying to sign a guy like Serge Ibaka, which I don't know how they would be able to in the salary cap situation that they're in. But I guess there's a fantasy he'll take less money. Really what the approach is to this offseason. And then I guess we got to figure out, well, what the hell's next year going to look like? Because there's no guarantee they're going to be back in Brooklyn. And, you know, who knows what everything looks like. But, hey, we got exciting things to look at. And uh, this was fun. So I appreciate you joining me here on this Brooklyn Nets Restart Podcast here on the Evan Roberts Podcast. There's a few more podcasts coming up that I plan on doing. The... Me versus Ernie Mets Yankee bets I look forward to doing. We do that before every baseball season, and there is going to be baseball season, and there will be a baseball predictions podcast I look forward to doing as well. So thank you for downloading, and thank you for listening, and thank you, Mike Biseglia. Certainly check out his podcast where he will tell you all about food delivery and the interesting stories that go along with it. What's it called again, by the way? Mike Delivers. Mike Delivers, I'm sorry. Oh, it's all good. I gave it a... I gave it a big plug and I forgot. Mike Delivers. Download it and check it out. Thank you. And thank you for listening to this edition of the Evan Roberts Podcast.